0: Hello, and welcome back to the Full Out Podcast. It's Sam, your host, and I'm pumped you are here today. We have Melissa Martin, who is a business and embodiment coach, creator of the Boldly Courageous community, and host of the Boldly Courageous podcast. Melissa is passionate about helping women step fully into owning their gifts and power in this world as leaders and visionaries. Her mission is to help more women realize the greatness that's within and to take action towards their big dreams despite fear. She believes that when Women own their authentic power and shine their light. They give other women permission to do the same. And we dive into so many topics. We talk about integrity. We talk about confidence, that internal confidence versus the external confidence. We talk about feminine and masculine energy. We talk about embodiment. We talk about indecision, boundaries, people pleasing, how to navigate hard days as an entrepreneur. We literally dive into all the things. And what I love about Melissa is her past. She has done so many things in her life. She went from being a very successful woman in the financial service industry and got laid off to having a multiple six-figure network marketing business that got restructured and taken away within 60 days. She's navigated divorce and the loss of a sibling to cancer, and she knows what it's like to be at rock bottom and having to start over again. And she is here to show women what's possible when you follow your inner knowing and commit to you 100%. So I hope you enjoyed today's conversation. If you love it, drop a review, take a screenshot, share with a friend, tag us on Instagram, and I hope you enjoy today's episode. Welcome to the full out podcast where you'll get tools, tips, and inspiration to start living your most passionate, expansive, and abundant life. I'm your host, Samantha Jo Harvey, professional dancer and group fitness trainer turned lifestyle entrepreneur, speaker, and women's empowerment coach. It is my mission to help women live their lives full out. No more surviving your days, playing small, or marking your way through life. It's time to let go of your blocks, step into your power, and own that you are worthy of having everything you want in your life, business, and relationships. Are you ready? Let's dive in. Melissa Martin, sister, queen, friend. I'm so excited that you are here. I love how the world works because you were recommended to me by another friend, Melissa. And once we connected, it was like, we had so many synchronicities. You've been a guest speaker in my containers. We talk a lot about the same things, confidence and imposter syndrome. And I'm so excited to welcome you to the podcast today. Thanks for being here.
1: Thank you so much for having me. This is why I love like social media and just the divine timing of the universe is that we get like, I feel like I can't wait to meet you like in real life.
0: This is going to be so. I know, I know. Well, I'm super pumped. Okay. So the, the podcast, I want to dive right in. The podcast is called Full Out. And I'm curious for you, what does it mean for you to live your life full out?
1: Oof. <clears throat> what does it mean? Okay. For me to live my life full out, it's, it's just living with courage. Like it's recognizing that fear is always going to be present. And I still walk with courage and fear in pursuit of whatever it is that sets my soul on fire. Like full out means, um, doing it anyway, doing it scared, doing it messy, being authentic, sharing my truth. Being in integrity, which is so challenging on a lot of levels, like not just being integrous on the outside, but more like keeping my word to myself on the inside, which is hard AF, um, that that's what living full out means to me.
0: So good. And this integrity piece I think is huge because it is one of the main pillars of how I live my life. It is so important to me and, and touching on that idea of keeping an integrity with yourself. I was always taught that when you make a promise to yourself, when you, when you give your word and then you break that promise or you go against it, you actually are harming your self-worth, but when you follow through, you are building your self-worth. And I'm curious what your relationship with that self-worth piece is because i think it's so connected to confidence
1: it's everything it's like literally your so i believe that there are two sides of confidence right there's duality and everything polarity whatever word you want to use but like a light and shadow right And I think from a a young age, we come into this world with one type of confidence, which is here I am. Like we're just unapologetic about who we are. We don't care what people think. Like we're just this little light being, being authentically ourselves. And then we shift into this other type of confidence, which is here, which is look at me. And look at me confidence is really very much rooted in that like imposter syndrome, the need to be validated, the need to be accepted. And so this can look like, you know, always achieving, wanting the next accolade, wanting the next bonus, the next, you know, promotion, driving the nice car, bragging about how much money you make. Like, and some of those things are are really like beautiful to have, but it's just like, when you are operating from that, like, look at me confidence, it can sometimes feel like you're living in this like glass cage of, you know, of, of control and, and manipulation and like desire to please everybody else. And so when I think about integrity and I think about worthiness and worth, integrity to me is one of the most challenging things because when other people are looking, it's easy to be in integrity because you're concerned about what they're saying about you. And if someone like if if your if your worth is built based on the story that other people are telling about you and it's not deeply rooted in the story that you're telling about yourself then you will easily be in integrity when everyone's watching But when you're alone and you have a decision of, do I wake up and commit to my embodiment practices and my self-care rituals? Like I said, I was going to, like I post about on social media, like I talk about in my business, or are you going to sit there and scroll Instagram and like, you know, like text messages and TikTok or whatever first thing in the morning, that's where the real integrity comes into play of like, am I my word? And I feel like the, here I am confidence, the true embodiment comes from being true to yourself and an integrity to yourself when no one's looking. And that's where you build confidence, right? Because you know that you've got your back, you know, that you're reliable, you know, that like your word is law, your words and actions align. So for me in my life, like uh, where this showed up a lot was in dating I was so frustrated with men who were showing up in my life where their words and actions weren't aligning. And I was like, oh, but this is an integrity check for me. Like, where am I showing up in my own life where my words and actions aren't aligning? And it was a hard realization to see how I was, my masculine frame within myself was breaking promises to myself. And therefore my feminine couldn't be fully supported. And I had to, do some, some workshopping around that. Yeah. So that was my long-winded answer to self-worth, self-abandonment, uh, integrity and confidence.
0: Oh, so good. You know, I love this, this idea of the, the relationships mirroring what's actually going on with you. I've had this personally as well, where I've been so frustrated with a partner about, certain things. And as soon as I was able to pause and like zoom out and go, Oh shit, they're actually calling for things within myself that I'm not cool with within myself. It actually has nothing to do with the partner or the person at all. And it has everything to do with where I get to grow, where I get to heal, what I get to work on. So I have personally experienced that. And I really feel like there's something special in relationships, that that just comes alive in a, huge, huge way. I know that it can be mirrored in business and mirrored in health and all those areas, but there's something about that other person that just holds up that mirror and you're like, damn. Okay. This is my
1: shit. Yeah. Totally. It's like frustrating and also the most beautiful gift all at the same time.
0: Yes. I do want to like take a moment to honor your background. You have a wild background. You had a successful career in the financial service industry. You had a multiple six-figure network marketing business that got taken away and you had to restructure and change your life drastically. You've then built a coaching business and mentorship business. Like You have done a lot here. You've been in the nine to five corporate space. You've been in entrepreneurship in a variety of different ways. And I'm Really curious about how that informs your morning practices, your embodiment practices, and what that looks like.
1: It's such an interesting thing to think about because when I was working in the corporate world, like what I thought was self care is not what came forward for me when I became an entrepreneur. And what I realized when I became an entrepreneur is that my business rises and falls on my energy level. And, and again, coming back to that integrity piece, like, I feel like when I was in the corporate world, there was like, I I didn't really have permission to have a bad day right? Like you still kind of have to like trudge through and you still kind of have to like force yourself into a scenario, right? To show up whether you want to or not. In my entrepreneurial journey, um, the gift of being your own boss is that you have, you get to say and pick and choose when you work and when you don't, but that can also be a crutch, right? So again, like I see the duality in both, right? Um, Because if I don't feel like it, I don't have to. And so there can be this um, invitation to do the deep inner work so that you can show up in your business in a more authentic and aligned way so that you're not projecting your you know, childhood wounds and your codependency onto your client so that you're not selling from a place of lack and that's all your money stuff, right? So there is this like call to do the deep work, but also there can be a call to kind of slack on your self-care tools, because you can sit in meditation for four hours if you want to but you don't necessarily have to and you have a bigger container meaning like you'll fill whatever container you have so if you have 15 hours to complete a project like it won't feel like that big of a deal and then what will happen is um you'll skip your self-care stuff and then before you know it like you're not actually focused in your business so looking at it now I'm actually in the process right now of going back into the corporate world. And I can see that not having the space to do all of the things actually, and like not having the luxury of, of time is going to make my self-care practices even more important. So like what I'm saying here is that I have to stay consistent because my energy is my number one priority and I'm not going to have the luxury of, you know, for lack of a better word, like fucking off and then being able to like fix it with plenty of time. Right. So like, if you have a nine to five job and your energy is your number one priority, you don't, the time that you do have for your self-care is so limited that you must prioritize it so that you're not like showing up in your job, burnt out, tired. You don't have the luxury of showing up, burnt out, tired. You don't have the luxury of being like, I'm burnt out and tired today. So I'm just going to Netflix and chill.
0: Yeah. And I'm really curious for, because we have listeners that are both in corporate and that are entrepreneurs. And I'm curious for the entrepreneurs who do feel like my business is so connected to my emotions and that energy. What tips do you have for those women who are like, I have giant goals. I know where I want to go. I know what I want to do. And I'm still feeling sucked by my energy or sucked by my emotions.
1: I feel like I don't have that consistent push. What would you tell them? Um, you have to look at your relationship between the masculine and feminine. Everything rises and falls on your energy. Like your energy is your number one priority. So there are decisions, whether you realize it or not, there are decisions that you are making on a day-to-day basis that are either giving or taking from you energy energetically. Right. So it could be people pleasing. It could be wishy-washy boundaries. It could be your eating habits, your exercise, the relate like gossip relationships that you have with women, like your mission gets to be the number one priority, right? Like why are you in business in the first place? Like what is the obligation that you have to serve? And if you're not protecting your ability to lead yourself, then you're not only doing yourself a disservice, but you're doing a mission a disservice. And so the, for me personally, like I had to really look at my relationship to masculine and feminine, like my masculine was so toxic from hustle culture of being in network marketing. And I would wake up at 7am and not brush my teeth and not eat till three o'clock. Cause I was on my laptop doing reports and I was like hustling, grinding, right? And so when I started to understand masculine and feminine, the pendulum swung the complete opposite way. And I was so far in my feminine that like, I had no systems. I had no structures. I was like, I'm not doing it because I don't feel like it today, or this feels restrictive or blah, 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 blah. And then one day I found myself on the phone with a girlfriend complaining about like, nothing in my life is consistent. I'm so tired of like my clients being inconsistent and the men in my life being inconsistent and my business and this and that. And she was like, where have you been inconsistent? And it's like the same thing. I'm like, oh fuck, like I am super inconsistent. And so I had to really look at my relationship to the masculine and look at accountability and systems and structure and consistency and planning and scheduling as an act of love and safety and support and, and consistency and reliability and integrity. I had to look at the, at that as a place for my feminine to feel safe so that my creativity could flow. And so there will definitely be moments where you want to like steer away from like the framework. And it's not to say that there aren't moments where you will need to do that. But I think that if you're in a place where you're feeling like all over the place and you're burnt out and you're frustrated, um, number one is look at the way that you're utilizing your time. Like what are your habits? What's in your energy field? What are you looking at on social media? Like protecting your energy at all costs. And then number two is just really looking at your relationship to structure and really examining like what are some of the stories or beliefs or feelings that you have around structure and how can you redesign that in a way that feels like safety and security so that your feminine essence can really thrive. Mm, that's so good. That structure piece
0: has been a huge thing for me in the last year. Um, I have a really similar experience of being super into the masculine and the doing and the perfection and getting shit done and the hustling. I mean, working as a professional dancer in New York city for a million years, like there, there were no days off you, you, you kicked it and you danced and you did the things cause you were told to. Um, so there was no room for, for expression or softness, or f- how do I feel today? And where am I on my hormones and my cycle and all of that? And then working through the opposite of that, it was like, I'm only wearing dresses and I can't have, you know, I can't make any appointments because I don't want anything on the calendar. Cause I need to see how I feel. And I, I started to like feel that pendulum swing and I started to find that like homeostasis that like a little bit this way and a little bit that way, because I don't really believe in that balance. Like I don't think there is a perfect balance. I think we swing in seasons. And in my business when i was able to finally come back to the structures to be able to hold it actually opened up so much for me and so i love what you're talking about in really examining the interpretations and the stories we're creating about the thing like the thing isn't the thing structures aren't bad it's the interpretation we have about the structure uh flow isn't bad it's not not safe it's the interpretation we have that it's unsafe or it's not going to yield results or whatever that might be so i love i love that attention to interpretation and story. Um, and I know that's probably something that you coach. I think we both coach on that a lot, a yeah. lot, a lot. So I'm curious when you have, you've gone through these transitions, like you worked in corporate you then stepped away. And I'm curious about the interpretation and the stories and how you navigate what is intuition and what is a story? Like, how do I know that my intuition is saying pull away or go do this thing, but Is that actually my ego keeping me safe? Is it a fear or is it actually my intuition?
1: Yeah. So the, the first thing that comes to my mind with that is just noticing where, how is how does it feel in your body? Like we can think our way to any decision we want. Like you can, you can rationalize, you can brainstorm, you can whatever, but indecision to me is a disconnection between the mind and the body. Um, so for me, if I'm, if I'm really sitting in a place of indecision from a somatic experience, there's a, pro, a practice that I, I like to use. Um, and this isn't my practice. This was taught to me from one of my teachers and this isn't an, an embodiment is in the body. Like the way I think of it is out of the head and in the body. So, um, I like to take my, my two decisions. So I'll use a real life example. One is like, do I, um, go back to the corporate world or do I continue focusing all of my energy in my entrepreneurial journey? And also, I just want to say that sometimes it doesn't have to be this or that it can be this and that. And so for me, it is this and that, um, but I'll write Uh, I'll get two pieces of paper and I'll write the decision, you know, option A on one and option B on the other. And I put them on the floor um, and I stand in between them. So you can do this like shoes off. Um, And then I like to stand in between them and take like a couple of really deep grounding breaths where I'm like breathing from my feet up to the crown of my head and down and just like feeling into like neutrality. So even if it's a, a quick like one or two minute meditation so that you're really dropping into what's present in the body. And then I like to step into one decision. So if I'm stepping into decision A, which is going back into the corporate world, notice the feeling that comes up in the actual body. Like I'm here in this decision. I'm working every single day. I'm generating income consistently. I have benefits. I have structure. I have all the things. And then notice what happens in the body like does it feel expansive does it close your throat does it feel like do you feel a pit do you feel tingly do you get hot do you get cold like just noticing the it, the expansion or the contraction in the body And then once you feel complete with that experience, coming back into the center and breathing a couple more times until you come to neutral and then stepping into the other decision and noticing how that feels. And so the body will give you clear signals as to what is a yes and what is a no. And then it's up to us to decide whether or not we're going to follow what the body says. I think that Sometimes the hard part about making decisions isn't necessarily the decision itself. It's what comes after that. And it's either going to call us to difficult conversations or a higher standard or like there's a lot of logistics, right? Or we're going to just stay in everything that feels like comfy cozy, which we don't have to deal with logistics and we don't have to worry about all the other stuff that comes on the other side of it. And we just kind of sit there and we're like, okay, well, I'm just going to hang out here. So there's there's literally no right or wrong, but that's the process that I like to walk myself through.
0: Mm, I love that. I love that. And I'm curious before you started doing this work, what was your connection to your body? Like in talking <laughs> about all the embodiment stuff, like we, you and I are like, we're in the body and we can feel the contraction. We can feel the expansion. We can feel the sensations. We can feel the tightness or the pit or the, this or the, that, but before you did this work,
1: what did that look like for you? It didn't like did, it had no connection to my body. I was so closed off from my body. Like I, I had not a great relationship with my sexuality, my sensuality. I had early childhood sexual trauma and then, you know, like trauma. I mean, what woman has not had sexual trauma at some point in time in her life one way or the other. I, I, I made decisions very much from like a logical perspective. And I felt because of that, a lot of frustration, a lot of resistance, a lot of anger, I, when I would drink, I would become incredibly emotional and irrational. I was very manipulative in relationships, very angry. Um, I would, you know, spend money without any real understanding of what my relationship to money was. Like I had relationships in my life that were toxic. Like I was just so disconnected from what my soul was trying to tell me because I was so like fixated on what like I thought society wanted me to be and like what happiness would be. And of course it was all just like childhood wounding that I was trying to make up for. And I just didn't know that, but yeah, I was, I was not connected to my body whatsoever.
0: (laughs) Yeah. And so what, what was that journey like to step into that work? Like what, what happened first? I know for me, it was like, personal development from the network marketing company was like, Hey, you should start doing this. And then I started to move through a divorce and then I started doing all my own work. And it it kind of, I fell into it in that way, but I started with like personal development books, like the slight edge. Like that was one of the first things I read and it just kind of opened this doorway. And I'm curious what that was for you.
1: Yeah, for me, it was really my relationship to my sexuality and and my relationships intimately with men. Um, I started to experience this like very long term pattern of disassociation in sex in my body. In long-term relationships, like things would be great in the beginning, but once the relationship would reach a certain point, like my libido would completely shut off. And I was not interested in having sex. I would disassociate. I wouldn't feel anything. I would be numb. I'd be thinking about other things. And I thought there was something wrong with me. Like I thought I had a thyroid issue. I wanted to just take a pill. I literally had thoughts of being like, maybe I should just marry a man who's in the closet and is gay and we never have sex. And that's just how it's going to be for me and um i i remember um i just i was in a relationship that again the same thing started to happen and i was just like you know i think you get to a point where you're just like done with your shit and you just get frustrated and a lot of different circumstances led me to yoga led me to somatic therapy led me to um just digging into this a little bit deeper i actually um had a really crazy experience so my older sister jennifer had passed from leukemia years ago and like has been a kind of north star in my life and very like serendipitous circumstances had led me to being finding myself in a kundalini yoga class i'd never done anything like this before and the instructor was really friendly and like super sweet. And in this yoga class, I had this vision in front of me of a green elephant, which I had never seen before, which I now know is Ganesh. And it was my sister's energy was very present. And it's the first time since she'd passed that I felt her energy. And I had these like hot tears streaming down my face. And I just was like, wow, this is, it was such a beautiful experience. And a couple of days later, I went on Google and I was like, sex therapist, Providence, Rhode Island. Just, I I knew that I needed to find something. And the very first person that popped up on my Google search was the yoga teacher that I had been in yoga with. And I had no idea. And I was like, this is so fucking crazy. Like, what are the chances of this? Right. So my body is like, oh my God. And then my mind goes, she's not in my insurance, find somebody else, blah, 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 blah. So I'm like, whatever. Well, a couple of days later, I was in my apartment and my sister was someone who had journaled from the time she was like 10 years old until she passed. And um, so she was a poet and a writer, and I had all of her journals and they were in a box, and I pull them out. And I'm like organizing them. And one of them falls off my lap and it's a black journal. And there's a holographic sticker on the back of it. And wouldn't you fucking know it's a Ganesh sticker. And I was like, I literally just got chills. And I was like, okay, Jen, like I hear you. And, and it was like, so, so like being in that yoga class was one of the very first times that I connected with my body in a way that felt safe. And the fact that the teacher was like a sex therapist. And then I saw the elephant. It was like a sign for me. And that, that therapist was the very first one that helped me understand what trauma felt like in my body and what safety feels like in relationship and like why I'm disassociating. And it was the first time I'd ever talked about things that had happened in my childhood or the first time I ever got drunk. I was, uh, I was taken advantage of and just all of this stuff came up for me and it but the catalyst for it was relationships. Right. And again, like going back to our earlier point, it's like, you will continue on the hamster wheel over and over and over again. It's the same. It's like the same storyline. It's just a different cast of characters, but it's the same storyline over and over and over again. And I was just like, I don't want to keep repeating this pattern. And that was really the, the catalyst for me to kind of dig into therapy and somatic work and meditation and yoga and like led me on this path that I'm like so forever grateful for but like man I just wish that I didn't resist it for so long right? <laughs> like
0: <laughs> that's incredible i had totally had chills during that too and and yeah you know i i so resonate with the like why like why did i beat my head against the wall for so long when there were so many other open doors, but I was just like beating my head against the one. And I'm curious when your clients come to you, are they in the same space where they're like, I have tried everything. I'm beating my head against the wall. Or are they like, I just feel like I'm ready for expansion. Like I'm, I'm curious, what's your experience?
1: A lot of my clients come to me with, They're kind of in a state of confusion, right? Because they're like, I've done all the right things, but I'm still not feeling fulfilled, right? Or they're hitting a point of like burnout where they're at that tipping point of like. And this was very much me. Like I was sitting in a man, uh, I was sitting in a mastermind one day imagining what it would be like to earn a million dollars. And at that point, I had two businesses and my network marketing business going, so I was making about three hundred k a year, and I was exhausted. And I was like, I don't have enough energy to make it to a million dollars. And I was like, the light bulb went off for me that like, this isn't about working harder. This is about working smarter. And the reason why I was so exhausted was I had no self-care practices. I had no boundaries. I was people-pleasing. I was saying yes to everyone. I had a business of clients that were so codependent on me that like, It made me feel great, but it also was like a prison and that was my life in network marketing. So a lot of my clients come to me in that template of like being like, I cannot, I literally cannot work any harder. And all the things that I thought were going to bring me joy don't. I'm I'm I thought that I started my business to have more time and I have less time. I'm resentful, I'm frustrated, I'm closed off from my body, my relationship's struggling, I'm not happy, I'm not eating well. I'm like, it's all the same stuff. And so, you know, they come to me because they think they want strategies and systems, which are helpful. But until we address like the harmony between masculine and feminine, we don't get into systems and strategies because we have to look at like the operating system first and get you to a place of like self-awareness, boundaries, standards, you know, like self-care, all that stuff. And then we implement all the systems.
0: Yeah. That foundation. And you know what, when I hear this, I'm, I talk a lot about like the capacity, the capacity to hold if my ideal, you know, career finances, partner life, all the things dropped into my lap. Would I have the capacity to hold it? Am I running in a space where I could actually step into going from that 300K to that, you know, seven figures or whatever that is? And I'm curious what advice or tips you would give to someone that's ready to, whether it's scale or go to the next level or expand from point A to point B regarding capacity? Do you have thoughts?
1: Yeah. So again, you will fill whatever container you have. And it's, Just because you can do something doesn't mean that you're the best person to do it. This was so hard for me to understand. Um, So really getting clear on like the things that in your business that bring you the most joy, that feel the most expansive. My girlfriend, Andrea, I love her. She uses, um, she has a tattoo on her wrist and it says WAP. And then there's a line and it says DOP. And so WAP stands for wet ass pussy and DOP stands for dry ass pussy. And this is the mantra she lives her life by. Like if something in her business does not give her wet ass pussy, she does not do it. But there's also somebody on her team that like the thing that gives her dry ass pussy gives them wet ass pussy. Right. So like, really understanding like, what are the things right now that you think you have to do in your business because you don't believe somebody else can do them. You're afraid to delegate. You don't want to rel- relinquish control, but it like you low key hate doing it. Like I remember, I remember on like, it must've been like labor day or Memorial day working on a landing page for 10 fucking hours crying I was so mad. I was so resentful that like, I wasn't enjoying the day with my friends. And the reason why I was doing it was because I didn't do a good job delegating to my assistant and she was on vacation and I was building my sales page and I was so angry and resistant, but it was a me, that's a me problem. Right. So like more, Often than not, we are the bottleneck in all areas of our life. We are the, we are the reason why we're not expanding. It's because we have this fear of letting go. So you have to get super clear on what are the things that really light you up and excite you in your business and everything else gets delegated. And, um, That is such a hard thing for so many people to do because like, then you get into the weeds of like, but I don't even know how to hire someone and where would I even begin? And it's just like, that's going to take too much time and this needs to be done now. So there does need to be some like forward thinking about that and know that like you set the timeline. So like, if you're feeling rushed, stop setting short timelines for things (laughs) like lengthen your timeline.
0: Yeah. 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 And so I'm curious, okay. When we're talking about hiring team and investing in your business and investing in yourself, what is your relationship to mentorship and what is your belief on that? Like as a coach, as someone who mentors other people, do you have mentors yourself? Do you invest in yourself? What does that look like?
1: The best ROI I've ever gotten in it is investing in myself. And I've also made some really dumb investments, right? I've invested in things that like, were a complete waste of money, but in the time it felt like a fun thing to do. Um. So when, for, I, I had this call actually on one of your, one of, with your mastermind students, it was really powerful of like, what do you do when you have a really good money mindset in yourself, but then you also run a business. And just because you have a, a fuck it, like jump and then the net will appear mindset when it comes to investing doesn't necessarily mean that's a smart move for business. Right. So there are, There are like, let's say you have $10,000 to invest and, um, you can put it in multiple places. What is, what are the core issues that you're facing in your life right now? Is it a time issue? Is it a resource issue? Is it a duplication issue? Is it, um, an energy issue And what would solving that problem allow you to do? Like, what would the ROI on solving that problem be? Right. So if it's like in my personal life, like one of the areas that I invested heavily in was support and coaching around navigating my marriage and divorcing my ex-husband. And what that return on that investment provided me was a really like calm and peaceful and not stressful divorce, which I'm so proud of. Like I had the tools and resources to do that, but it also expanded me to be like my healing. And you can't put a price tag on that. Right. Um, also like hiring a podcast editor, like I don't have the time or the bandwidth and the ROI that I've gotten on that is more time to do other things that yield me more money. Right. So like, you have to look at, um, what is the roi on this investment and then from there you can kind of make the decision of of what where to invest um things that are not necessarily important but our ego wants like shiny websites and all that stuff and yes those things are helpful but if you are currently experiencing a time issue and a resentment issue and a frustration issue and a burnt out issue then hiring an assistant to delegate all those little tasks that take up so much of your time would probably be the better use of your investment than hiring a branding expert to do your website for you.
0: And and what do you say to the woman who wants the support, but it's that intangible ROI, it's the peace, it's the happiness, it's the expansion, it's the surrender. How, How do you support them in supporting either their partner or their business partner or the other people in their life and saying like, yes, this is a good investment. Like I, like I've experienced in myself and in in some of my clients that full body, fuck yes. Like, yes, I need to do this. And my logical brain can't grasp spending X amount of money for me to feel more confident for me to feel better. And so I'm curious about how you then support those intangibles.
1: Well, it's not about feeling better and it's not about feeling more confident. It's about what is the result of that? So how, what is the cost right now in your life of not feeling good? What is the cost in your life right now of not being confident? How is that causing you pain, right? Because we're wired to either move further away from pain or closer to pleasure. Like that's just how we are. And my argument is that when we focus on moving further away from pain, pain is always in our forefront. And so even though we might move a few steps away, we're still in pain, right? So if we're moving closer towards pleasure, pleasure becomes the focus, pleasure becomes the expander, right? So what would more confidence allow you to do? What would more pleasure in your life allow you to do? What would more connection allow you to do, right? So if we're talking in terms of like, you're wanting to invest in a life coach, The ROI and more confidence is you're going to interview better. You're going to have higher standards. You're going to ask for more money. You're going to say no to men who treat you poorly. You're going to be able to communicate your needs to your partner. You're going to have better sex. You're going to have better communication. You're going to be happier. You're going to be more magnetic. And everyone in your life feels that. So the quality of your life drastically expands when you Say yes to something. And the last thing I want to just share on this, since we're talking about money, is that money is the energetics of commitment. It is a powerful, powerful tool for commitment. And I love to use the example of fitness because this is so easy for people to like grasp, right? So I used to be a fitness competitor and I did personal training for a number of years. I owned a gym. And if my personal trainer charged me 20 bucks an hour and I lived in upstate New York and it's February and it's negative 10 degrees outside and my training session is at 5 a.m. And I went out for tacos and margaritas with my girlfriends the night prior and I'm hungover. When my alarm goes off, I'm gonna be like, keep the 20 bucks, I'm not coming. I'm just not the $20 is not enough of a stretch for me to stay committed to my goal. But if my personal training session was $120 an hour, I'm not even going out for tacos the night before I'm in bed by eight o'clock. My shit is laid out. I'm getting up 30 minutes early so I can warm my car up. Like I am ready to go and I'm committed. So like when you really think about, Going to the next level, whether that's in your life, your relationships, your business, there's a level of commitment, again, that comes back to that integrity that we talked about before. And sometimes you need like a coach to come in. And hold you to that level of commitment. And the coach I'm referring to is money, like not necessarily your actual coach, but like money becomes the energetic money becomes the lever to say, like, am I really going to do this or am I not? And how much do I value my word?
0: Mm, Mike motherfucking drop. So good. Money is the energetic of commitment. That is awesome. I've never heard it said in that way. And I'm obsessed. I love that. I love it. So. I'm, I'm curious, what do you think is like the number one thing that makes women successful? Like what do women need if they want to feel successful in their life?
1: Wow. I mean, I, I don't even know how to answer that question because success is such a personal thing. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, in my own life, I, I feel like you know, confidence and success has been driven by so many different things for me. When I was younger and I worked in the financial service industry, like success to me was how much money I was making the car that I was driving, um, whether or not I was single or in a relationship, like how I was performing in my job. You know, I was number one on my sales team. I was hitting president's club, like, and I was a female in a male's world. Like that to me was success. Right. Right. And I look at that version of me and I think with love and compassion, like I had no clue what real success looked like to me. Success now is living in alignment with my values. It's making decisions from a place of truth. It's having the conversations that feel wildly uncomfortable. It's living a life of better, not easy Um, and so I think success is such a personal thing to every single person, right? Like it's, so if I had to really answer that question and say, how can more women have success, I feel like it would be getting really super, super clear on what your values are. Like, what are the things that matter the most to you? And then from there making decisions based on that value framework. I look at my life through seven pillars of living in alignment. And this is part of the work that I teach. Number one is my energy is my number one priority, right? So like everything rises and falls on my energy. Number two is wealth and abundance. And part of that is, is my relationship to money. But part of that is my relationship to receiving, which leads me into pillar number three, which is harmony between masculine and feminine energy, right? So like really, every single day, looking at like the balance between that number four would be relationships and community. How am I relating to the women in my life? Like, you know, the, 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 as the saying goes, like you are most like the five people that you spend time with. So like choose wisely. Right. Number six would be play and fun and like tapping into creativity. Um, or I think that's number five number six would be vision and mission. And number seven would be connection to God. So these are for me, like these are my seven pillars, right. Of of the things that are most important to me in my life. And then your values fit into that. Right. So one of my core values is freedom. Like I love the ability to be free and freedom shows up in so many different areas. Secondly is connection. Connection is wildly important to me. You know, third is, um, integrity, like that is really, really. So these are, so once you know what your values are, it's very easy for you to kind of look at those seven pillars and say, okay, like on a scale of one to 10, am I living my values of freedom when it comes to my energy? Am I living my values of freedom when it comes to my relationships? And that will be the best way I think for you to determine whether or not you have success in your life.
0: Mm. Yes. Yes. And I feel like it comes back to that, like, is this based on what other people think? Or is this based on what I know to be true for me? And it comes back to that idea of the, of your here I am confidence versus the look at me. And what is my truth? What is my internal divine guidance system saying? And am I staying true to that versus all of the outside noise?
1: Like sometimes I imagine if I were living in the jungle and no one could see me, what is the decision I would make? Like going back to that decision-making process, like if, if social media didn't exist and we just operated in a bubble and nobody saw whatever decision it was, and no one was going to judge you and no one was going to be angry and no one had an opinion. And it was literally just you in this little bubble of your life. And everyone loves you and everyone thinks you're incredible. Like, what is the thing that you would do? Yeah makes it so simple. Like you're like, Oh, I would do this. Okay. Then, then what is the story that you're creating around why you can't? Mm.
0: So good. So good. I feel like we could talk for another hour (laughs) and I want to respect your time. And I'm just curious, is there anything that we haven't touched on that? You're like, I need to say this. Or like, there's a woman out there that needs to hear this. Is there anything that's on your heart right now that wants to come through?
1: I feel like when I first started my personal development journey, it wasn't even personal development. It was more like embodiment of entrepreneurship. I remember listening to a podcast that Lori Harder did, and she was sharing like her age and she was talking about like her business. And I was probably like 35. at the time. And I remember feeling like I was seeing a lot of these new influencers coming up that were in like their early to mid twenties. And I'm thinking to myself, like, how am I relatable? Like, I don't, I don't even know, like, am I too old for this or do I even fit in? And I think sometimes time becomes this like weird thing that if we allow it to can, can live like rent free in our minds that like, I'm too old for this, or there's not enough time, or like the thing that I desire seems so far away. So why even bother trying? Right. And I think that what I would share is that there's so much more life left to live than what you know. And also that's not guaranteed. Right. So like, there is no better time than now. Like in my opinion, like tomorrow, and I'm using air quotes, like it becomes the longest day because we just say, I'll do it tomorrow. I'll do it tomorrow. I'll do it tomorrow. Um, so it doesn't matter what age you are. If there's something on your heart that you want to shift in your life, if there's a decision that you want to make, it could be leaving a marriage. It could be getting married, married. It could be leaving a job, starting a business, like whatever it is, like there's, there's, there's no such thing as like being too late, or not having enough time, like just take that step now, like take one step today towards it. And you'll be amazed at what happens when you take, you know, 300 plus small steps every throughout a whole year.
0: Mm, That was so good. That was so good. Thank you for sharing that. Melissa, where can people find you? Where can they see your magic and learn more about all the amazing things that you do?
1: You. I'm at the Melissa Martin on all the things, but my favorite place to hang out is on Instagram. You can slide in my DMS. Um, that's where you can find out about like where I'm at in the world and all the things that are happening in my life. And then secondly, on my podcast, which is called boldly courageous, which is on all the places, you know, iTunes, Spotify, all the things. Um, those are the two places that we can connect.
0: Oh, so good. Melissa, thank you for your time today. It was amazing. You are amazing. And guys, if you liked this episode, please take a screenshot, share it, tag Melissa, the, the Melissa Martin and Samantha Joe Harvey, and we will see you next time. Thank you so much for joining me. If today's podcast inspired you in any way, we would love your support in spreading the word